This is Sports Talk with Jack Wilson on News Talk 770, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. But let's welcome our NHL insider to the program. And before we do that, there is some breaking news in the National Hockey League tonight. As uh, Matthew Kachuk of the Calgary Flames has been suspended for two games for that elbow on Drew Doughty last night. Before we bring in Craig, let's listen to the video from the NHL Department of Player Safety. Here's why Matthew Kachuk got two games. What elevates this infraction to merit supplemental discipline is the reckless nature with which it was executed and the force with which it was delivered. Kachuk sees Doughty coming from the front of the net. With time to perform any number of evasive or defensive maneuvers, Kachuk instead takes his bottom hand off of his stick and throws an elbow into Doughty in a way that cannot be considered inadvertent, reflexive, or defensive. So, Mr. Button, they call it reckless. There's a lot of force. And the fact that he took his bottom hand off the stick, that's why Matthew Kachuk gets a two-game suspension. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I mean, bottom line is, Jock, uh, I mean, last night when I saw it, I, I mean, Matthew plays in the gray area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he plays on the edge. And sometimes uh, that edge goes a little bit uh, over the line. And, uh, I mean, what he was trying to do was he was trying to reverse hit uh uh, Dowdy. He's done that a number of times over the course of this season in his rookie year reverse hitting. And you know what I would call it? I would call it a reverse hit that went bad. I thought he could have been called, uh, like they could have looked at it for interference because the puck was up on the glass. The puck wasn't there. It wasn't on Dowdy's stick. It wasn't on, uh, on Kachuk's stick. The puck was up on the glass. But, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, I, I mean, that's how Matthew plays. I, I, I don't think Matthew was being, uh, uh, was trying to go after Dowdy in the sense of like, you know, uh, like I'm targeting him. It was a, it was an in the moment play, and I mean Matthew's going to learn that he, that, that that you know, if anything, if it was me, I'm just going to tell Matthew, love the play, love the target, and next time, just make sure you keep your shoulder and your elbow down. Yeah, no, I, I I think you're bang on. You know, after I saw the play over and over again, hey, I I think it did warrant a suspension. It, it was pretty vicious when it's all said and done. And, and yet, I don't believe Matthew Kachuk is a dirty player. You and I talked about this what a, a month ago on the show when there was the big story in a Toronto newspaper claiming Matthew Kachuk was a dirty player. And of course, when Drew Doughty makes the comments that he did last night, everybody nationally is going to pick up on that. Let me just say this, okay? The, and, and I admire the, the LA Kings. The LA Kings played a style en route to two, to two Stanley Cups, right? That was in the gray area. And they would go after you and they would play on the edge and they would maul you and even bully you at times, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think Matthew Kachuk, what he did last night, number one against the team and number two against the player. Drew Doughty's got an edge and a chippiness to him. Make no mistake about it. And we all respect Drew for it, right? But like I said today, Jock, I mean, I mean, what does Drew Doughty think? That uh, there's, a, there's a page two of the rookie manual that says you can't play hard, you can't hit the star <laughs> players? Because it's a bunch of BS, really, quite frankly. And, you know, so you consider how the LA Kings played, and, and then you consider about the player. I, I, I love the fact that Matthew Kachuk went right after Doughty. I love the fact that he made a statement against the LA Kings. And you want to know something? The LA Kings did nothing. They did nothing 
<laughs> That's a good point. It's a very they had good a chance point. to do something. They yeah. did nothing. Yeah. So you know what? I got that guy on my team. That's a statement. That's a statement about how we're going to play, and we're not taking it. You're taking guff from anybody. Good for Matthew Kachuk, and I think that's a statement play. And you know what? Sometimes to make a statement, there's a little price to pay. I mean, Matthew doesn't want to have to sit out for two games, but at the end of the day, I don't see a big problem with it. No, I agree. Uh, NHL. And Drew Doughty should go take his whining someplace else because I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned and that. I respect, and I respect Drew Doughty, but stop whining. Yeah, well, I just got a text saying basically the same thing. It seems uh, there aren't, aren't many mirrors in Drew Doughty's house. Uh, Drew is often a crybaby wannabe referee on the ice, too. That was from one of our texters. And, and hey, Drew got hit with a Gordie House special last night. Uh, did it warrant a suspension? Yes, I'm not going to argue that. Um, but, hey, is, is Matthew Kachuk a dirty player? Uh, let's, let's not go down that path uh, just yet. I I have a bigger concern if I'm a fan of the Los Angeles Kings because I, I'm. what is this Kings team? You know, and I know Jonathan Quick was injured most of the season. You know, and I think they still, you know, Drew Tauti is still a really, really good player. Matt, uh, Jonathan Quick's a really good player. Anze Kopitar, even though he's not having a great season, is a really, really good player. Uh, is this team on the downward spiral or does this team just need to hit the reset button? Well, okay, so let me ask you the, uh, the I'm going to jump on your second question first, Okay. Doc. So, so what reset button can they hit? They're well, Jonathan Quick on a on a, on a long term contract. They got uh, Kopitar long term contract. Brown, Gabrick, all these guys. Carter. Mm-hmm. They're all. So, so, so what reset button are they going to hit? Well, and that's that's a great question because I I just think you know and you, and, you, and you've said it so many times in the show. Every team has a great core of six or seven players, and and the Los Angeles Kings are no exception. You know, I look at their core of six or seven players. I like their core. But I guess it's that surrounding cast, which is probably not good enough. That's where you'd have to sit the reset button, right? Okay. Well, well, I mean, so in fairness, so let's look at the let's look at the uh, L.A. Kings. Okay. Okay. You know, I don't think the problem this year has been goaltending. Uh, like, I mean, I I don't think losing Jonathan Quick impacted them in a negative way. I think what's impacted them in a negative way is they can't score. I, I, you've heard me say this again and again and again, and I mm-hmm. sound like a broken record. They're the football team that always gets in the red zone, red zone, red zone, and they have to settle for field goals. They can't finish the deal because they do not have enough skill up front. Now, they're trying to work in three rookie defensemen right now. That's Paul Ledoux. That's Derek Forbert. That's uh, Kevin Gravel. So, you know, that's not easy, right? Uh, you, you, you consider that the loss of Slavovoinov. That was a big loss for their team. And, you know, like a, a, a player that's a world-class player. So that hurts them, right? But at the same time, you know, they don't have enough, they don't have enough skill up front. And, you know, then you, then you factor in, uh, you know, what I would call ill-advised decisions. Uh, you know, not, not buying out Mike Richards when he had a chance, extending Dustin Brown and extending uh, Marin Gabrick. And, you know, now, now your flexibility. One of the biggest things you need in a cap system is flexibility. So no, you, you talk about reset, and that's why I wanted to get into this. Okay. It's great to talk about reset. But in a cap system, it's really hard to, 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 to uh, explore different options when you don't have flexibility in your cap dollars. Yeah. And, well, and that's, that's one of their biggest challenges. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with you, Craig, and we've talked about that so many times. And I guess, you know, part of that reset button falls on the general manager. And, and I, I, I believe Daryl Sutter is a very, very good coach. But I also believe Daryl Sutter has a shelf life. And, and sooner or later, if you want to play a different style of game, don't you have to, you know, change the coach uh, if you want to be a little more offensive-minded? Because Daryl is a defensive-minded coach. Daryl loves the veteran players. I know 
know he's trying to get a, a couple of younger players in there right now. And, you know, last year they brought in Vinny LeCavalier. This year they bring in Jerome McGinley. And, you know, I, I, obviously Dean Lombardi makes those moves, but I'm sure Daryl Sutter had his fingerprints all over it. Yeah, I, I would be careful, Jock, about saying that about Daryl. I mean, I, I, I will tell you this, that, uh, you know, when they, uh, when they were, uh, you know, in 2012 when they were struggling, they uh, they went to make uh, they were looking at options for, to add some offense. They traded for Jeff Carter, mm-hmm. and Daryl Sutter was a huge uh, Jeff Carter fan. So you you, you you know he had his fingerprints on that. Then in 2014 they were struggling in the goal scoring department again. In fact, they were right at the bottom of the league when they traded for Marion Gabrick. And not only that, but then Daryl also integrated Tanner Pearson and Tyler Toffoli into the lineup. Two young players with offensive skill. And they became the number one scoring team in the 2014 playoffs and route to the Stanley Cup. So I, 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 I'm not pigeonholing Daryl Sutter into uh, a, a defensive type coach. I think Daryl Sutter understands what his team needs to do at any particular point with the personnel they have mm-hmm. that allows them to play a certain way. But I don't think Daryl stifles offense. Okay. And I think I think the problem is they don't have enough. First of all, you lose a guy like Voinoff, that means you're going to spend more time in your own zone. Right, so I, I don't care how good defensively you are and how good your goaltender is. You, you can't get on get on the attack. Number two is now you now you don't have as much offensive pop, or your or your offensive pop now comes from you know four guys for for the most part. So now that becomes harder to score. It becomes easier for teams to match up against you. So now Daryl is saying, okay, here's what we got to do to stay in games. I mean, they don't give up a lot of shots. They still get a number of shots, but they don't have enough skill yeah. and. That's not that's not on Daryl. That's not on Daryl. And Daryl likes skill. And Daryl will encourage skill. And I think that the record in LA shows that. So I'm going to come to Daryl's defense okay. here. And, and 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 good for you to do that because I I watched the Los Angeles Kings last night. I, I watched them again tonight. I just don't I I don't think they're they're built for today's style in the National Hockey League. I don't think they're fast enough. And you know maybe some of their their core players are not you know playing up to their expectations because I, I think Drew Doughty's having an off season. Anze Kopitar is obviously having an out season uh, an off season. Those are two outstanding players. But to me, they look like a slow team. Well, yeah, but like, but Dustin Brown's slower, mm-hmm. and and Mary Gabrick's slower, and Jerome McGinley's slower, and and Kyle Clifford's slower, and and Trevor Lewis isn't as fast as he once was, right? So so now when when, when you move three years, which is what they are removed from their Stanley Cup in 2014, when they weren't slow, when when they led the playoffs in goals per game and and were dynamic offensively, right? So. You know, like, so that's not Daryl. I mean, nope, Daryl saying, I need this guy, I want this guy. But that's where you got to be able to bring guys into your lineup that that, that can really support the, the – they they're adding Adrian Kempe now. He can skate. So they're trying to upgrade some of their some of their skating ability. But at the end of the day, you know, they they got they got guys on the roster that take up a lot of cap space and hinder their flexibility. Mm-hmm. And with – Hindered flexibility means lesser options. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. We're probably talking and that's management, and that's yeah. management. Yeah, and, and and I agree with that 100. percent So here's the deal. We're probably talking too much about the Los Angeles Kings and not enough about the Calgary Flames because it, it truly is amazing what the Calgary Flames have done. It's amazing that Brian Elliott has turned his season around just off the charts. He was so bad early, and now he's so good. One of the uh, one of the top you know goaltenders in the National Hockey League with the save percentage. I just had a texter that says, "Hey, Craig." Is Glenn Gullick's enough for the coach of the year in your books? Uh, this team is is obviously, everybody is noticing it league-wide right now, and that's a good thing for the Calgary Flames. 
I, I think Calgary is one of the best six, seven teams in the league. And, you know, I said this today, uh, Jock, I, I, I don't think they're in that group of what I would call serious Stanley Cup contenders, but they're outside that group. And, 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 and you know, you, to stay in, to get in that group, you got to show more. And to stay in the group just outside of it, you got to continue to build and you got to show that you're not going to fall off. So, I mean, I think that Glenn deserves a lot of credit. I mean, his first 16 games were, were, were not good. And I mean, team learning him, him learning the team. And, and I've said this. I mean, people want to make a big deal about the Montreal calling out. Okay. I know what he said. I, I, I don't care for that. But I, I said, I want to see what happens on the Thursday in Ottawa. And to me, that was going to be a telltale sign of, of this team about, number one, what, what, what did Glenn Gullison do? And, and, and do his players believe that he has uh, the answers to help them you know, be, be successful? And I think from that point on, it, it's very clear that he's, he, he's made those adjustments. I think he made really good adjustments in how they play without the puck defensively. Mm-hmm. And I said this before, they, they play from the inside out now defensively. They're not trying to play man up and then one guy gets beat and everything else breaks down. They're a lot more disciplined. Their positional strength is so much better. And I think that helps them defensively. I think it helps Brian Elliott in a significant way. He doesn't have to face as many grade-A scoring chances. And, Josh, it also helps them be able to jump into the attack. Those defensemen can jump now. And those three defensemen are really, really important players in the attack of the, of the Calgary Flames. So give Glenn Gullison tons of credit. And, you know, and, and through that, uh, you know, some some coaches are stubborn. They say, oh, no, this is the system. This is what we got to do. He made adjustments that, to me, you know, got the team to play uh, closer right at its abilities, and I think that's good coaching. Yeah, true enough. Uh, Curtis Lazar only played 10 minutes last night. Uh, he gets in because there's a little bit of a mum scare with Michael Furland. Uh, in 10 minutes, uh, what did you read in Curtis's game last night as first as a flame? Two, two things, and, and, and you know, uh, well, maybe there's more than two. Three things. Curtis can state. So, you know, number one, he's going to be effective in terms of forward checking, closing ice, you know, making it hard for an opponent to, to gain an edge on him. And, 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 and that's really important. Yeah. Number two, he's really competitive. I mean, he's going to play in the hard areas. He's going to play along the boards. He's not afraid to, you know, get involved in the body on body battles and the fights for the puck. And number three, I think, you know, he, for the first time this year, and, and, and the first time, I shouldn't say this year, but the, for the first time in, in maybe three months, I saw him get the puck and look at the net and try to shoot the puck. Mm. And I think that's a, good, that's a good step in the right direction for Curtis Lazar. So, you know, in, in that regard, I, I, I think it was a really good Calgary Flames debut for Curtis Lazar. And quite frankly, I, I think it's what, you, you know, now you want to build on that. And I think the Flames know what they have. And I think that uh, Curtis can be a, a contributor as, as they go forward here. Uh, some other news for the Calgary Flames today, since we're talking about the Flames with our NHL insider Craig Button. Uh, the Flames signed Tyler Parsons to an entry-level contract today. Uh, maybe the goaltender of the future? I, I don't know. Who, who's the number one goaltending prospect on this organization right now? Is it still Tyler John? Parsons. It, it, it is Tyler Parsons over John oh, Gillies? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Hey, listen, okay. I really like John Gillies. Don't get me wrong yeah. here. I'm not suggesting that John Gillies is not a top prospect. I mean, he's won the NCAA tournament. But Tyler Parsons, to me now, is, is a better goaltending prospect. Okay. Competition is good, though. And when you have two goaltenders that I think are really uh, have really good potential, that 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 only bodes well for the uh, Calgary Flames. And but what Tyler Parsons did, thirteen consecutive wins in the playoffs last year en route to the OHL championship, 
pops in the Red Deer, wins four straight en route to the Memorial Cup, and then he comes back for an encore at the World Junior Championships and wins five in a row en route to the gold medal. That's 22 wins in a row. <laughs> 22 wins in a row in high-level competition, and in a lot of those instances, you know, lose and you're out. So, for me, Donald Parsons is a big-time goalie. Okay, well, that's uh, that's good. And uh, uh, do, do you see, you know, obviously he couldn't – well, may, I guess maybe he could be the backup in Calgary next year, or would that no, be – that would be too be much. Okay, that would be year. too much. Okay. No way, no, no. way. Let, he needs to go and, and get out of the spotlight and get some seasoning and go and hone his craft. Yeah, fair enough. I think the Flames have to do a. I'd like personally, Jock. It's real simple to me. Next year, the two goalies in Stockton have to be John Gillies and Tyler Parsons. And if it isn't, shame on the management unless there's an injury. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, What do we do now with Brian Elliott? Because unrestricted free agent. Uh, he's, he's no, he's an unrestricted free agent. That's, that's, uh, didn't I say that? I thought he said an unrestricted. Oh, I thought you said. Uh, sorry, I might have missed the. Okay, eye. so so anyway, unrestricted free agent, and you know his price tag is all of a sudden going up. Boy, I would think the Calgary Flames would now want to re-sign the player, would they not? Well, I mean, I understand that the, the Flames have options on them, and Brian Elliott has options. I, I think one of the main things that's happened here, you make a trade for Brian Elliott, you know, he comes in, he wasn't very good. We all know that, right? But now I think there's a comfort level with Brian Elliott, with the coaching staff, and with the team, and so you get a better read on it. And, and, and you, can have a, you, you can have that read that gives you more confidence about it, talking about re-signing him and seeing where he goes with it. I like listen if if Brian's comfortable and uh, the Flames are comfortable, I I think it's worthy of of exploring. Now that being said, yeah, you, you better not make it a long term deal because, like I just said, I think you got two good goaltenders coming, yeah. and you know I don't think they're going to be ready in a year. But you know what, I, I I think that if Brian Elliott can be locked into a two or three year deal, that would be a nice deal for the Calgary Flames. But yeah, uh, you, you know if it's a five year deal. See ya. <laughs> I just had a listener text in and say, David Riddich is ahead of Gillies. That's the texter's opinion. No, no, uh, would... no, he isn't ahead. Of, he isn't ahead of John Gillies. That's a mistake when they put him in that position. He's not ahead of him. Okay. Uh, w- so whoever thinks that is rude, like, I totally disagree. He is not a better goaltending prospect than John Gillies. End of story. End of story. Um, uh, we're almost out of time here because I do have to get to the Sports Geek of the Day. Uh, so I'm going to ask you one more question before I let you go, and that is the Washington Capitals are up next tomorrow night. Uh, they've clinched a playoff spot. Do they have a sigh of relief, or is this a team that uh, needs to make a statement to win the President's Trophy? No, the, 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 Jock, it has nothing to do with the President's Trophy. <laughs> it has everything to do with first place in the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, Dominion. good point. So, good point. So I, I will only tell you this. there was a, They want the eighth-place team uh, which is going to be the last team in the wild card, whether it be the Islanders or whether it be the Toronto Maple Leafs. They do not want to have to be playing a first-round series against the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, so, so true. It, th- there will be no easing off the gas for the for the Washington Capitals. This will be a game where the Flames are going to have to be ready right from the drop of the puck because the Caps are coming, and they'll be coming for 60 minutes or more. Craig, as always, an outstanding half hour here on Sports Talk with Jockey. You have a great night. We'll do it again on Thursday. Okay, thanks, Chuck. All right, Craig Butner, NHL Insider. We'll take a break. We'll come back, wrap things up with the Sports Geek of the Day. Go nowhere. Keep it locked right here on News Talk 770. Sports Talk with Jock. Weekdays from 630 to 8 p.m. on News Talk 770 Calgary. CHQR.